afternoon, everyone. I am so loving watching the Masters here. It's so beautiful. The green grass. I look outside and I see that nice blue sky outside and I realize, oh yeah, it's like 15 degrees outside. I know, I know. I'll be golfing soon. Actually, it just puts me in the mood to watch UMD win the national championship tonight for hockey. Go UMD. It doesn't make it a little easier to watch hockey when there's snow on the ground. Yeah, and you're bundled up. I know, totally. And plus a little bit of snow tomorrow. Oh, bring it on, Mother Nature. I can take it. I can take it. I'm a tough Minnesotan, but I'm with Stan. I'm ready for some green grass and warm weather and you know what when i when i come here to sit in the chair, this chair next week i bet you it'll be raining out i bet you we won't have snow on the ground and then we'll be whining about the raining okay so we have five weeks left in six weeks left in the legislative session and i i try to keep you up to date about what's happening and i think right before they went on easter and passover break i told you about some of the crazy weird stuff that was going on uh sandy pappas i feel sorry for you people in St. Paul. Uh, She's your state senator. Thankfully, there's no House companion bill for this. Sandy Pappas must be trying to take over for Phyllis Kahn. She has a proposed constitutional amendment that would lower Minnesota's voting age to 16 for state and local elections. No, Sandy Pappas. Hell no. And since the Democrats are in the majority and hopefully there's enough common sense over there, hopefully uh, that bill will never see the light of day. Remember, the constitutional amendments which are generally a very, very bad idea. Uh, those are, those are, they can't be stopped by a governor's veto. So that just has to be voted on in the House and in the Senate. Um, you're also seeing pushes for the Minnesota legislator, legislature to raise the minimum tobacco age to 21. I think, what a stupid idea. Either you're an adult at 18 or you aren't. And I'm sad to say that there are actually some Republicans who are behind uh, the latest version of prohibition. Uh, it's a stupid, bad idea. And just, you know, with with Republicans like that, no wonder people just vote for Democrats. Of course they do. Um, last or before the Easter and Passover break, I think I told you about Ilion Omar, Carlos Mariani, Patricia Torres Ray, and again, Sandy Pappas. Uh, the other three are out of Minneapolis. Uh, Pappas is out of St. Paul. They had a press conference to discuss, uh, Ilion Omar's, uh, she has a resolution urging U.S. Congress to end all U.S. military and security aid to Honduras and it just irritates me because so many people think the, they introduce these bills they just are trying to make some sort of a social statement uh, instead of focusing on what's really going to uh, really going to improve and help and and make a difference for the people of Minnesota. You have Ilion Omar and Sandy Pappas and and Carlos Mariani the rest of you they this isn't your job. Stick to your job. Focus on focus on what you're supposed to be doing. Unfortunately, the Democrats, uh, they have several issues that are big, big, big issues for them. This coming legislative session uh, for for the last six weeks of this legislative session, uh, guns and school safety, sexual harassment, uh, state vehicle licensing and renewal, the computer stuff, uh, cracking down on bad drivers and taxes. Some of those are really important things like taxes. That's that's a really, really, really big deal. 
the Democrats, because it's an election year for those in the Minnesota House of Representatives and for all our state constitutional offices, as well as our two state senators at the federal level and our representatives at the federal level for our congressional districts. Uh, they're all up too. So they're trying to, they're trying to push this agenda, this narrative of, of what they want to become issues in this upcoming election. Guns and school safety are definitely at the top of that list sexual harassment is at the top of is at the top of that list we actually saw jamie becker finn what an embarrassment how could you people in shoreview and roseville and and that area over there Talk about a woman who is trying to capitalize on sexual harassment. Jamie Becker Finn stood up and decided that it was her job to convene a working group to address sexual harassment. So she announced, oh, I forget when this was. It was over break, over uh, Easter and Passover break. And she basically said, we gave the legislative leaders the benefit of the doubt that this issue would be taken care of. Republican legislators have now gone on record voting against a formal task force to address sexual harassment at the Capitol. She said she preferred to work together on this important issue, but she's waited four months and no meaningful progress has happened. It's time to move forward. Hey, Jamie Becker Finn. Yeah, a senator and a, and a, and a representative stepped down. That's progress. You had sexual harassment meetings. You had sexual harassment policy changes. This is you trying to take an issue, trying to say, look at me. I am a big leader. I'm not going to stand for sexual harassment. You know what? You go ahead and form your working group and, and do whatever you want. But there are laws in place. There are rules in place. A lot of the legislators understand how to treat people sexual harassment over at the capitol is not out of control it isn't it just isn't and to try to make a big deal out of this to try to convene this working group to try to motivate people and of course what does she do she she gets together a bunch of people with employment uh, law attorneys, human resource professionals, advocates and others who are really into the problem solving. You know what that work group will do? Nothing. It'll give them a pedestal to stand on. It'll give them a gavel to bang. It'll give them a microphone that they'll be able to scream into it. And the bottom line is uh, the capital, the capital house is clean. There were some issues over there. Uh, it's shocking that all these people with election certificates couldn't stand up and say, no, don't speak to me that way. Don't send me pictures like that. Don't. And, and you know what? It makes me so angry because in, in, in almost every one of these cases, it happened at a Democrat event, a Democrat party event, a campaign fundraiser, something like that. But the stuff that happened at the Capitol, those people are gone. Those people are gone now. And they know that this kind of stuff will not be tolerated. And the idea that this behavior is is still unchecked is absolutely ridiculous. I am over there constantly, and I see nothing but professionalism and respect from almost everyone over there. So you're going to see a lot of... 
uh, a lot of agenda politics is what I call only mostly because it's uh, mostly because it's an election year. Uh, guns and school safety is a big one. Uh, the House Republicans rolled out fifty million dollars worth of proposals that increased an already existing fund that will be used to pay out, pay for school safety measures like cameras and security officers. It also loosens up some of the restric- restrictions on districts to how they can spend that money. Governor. Dayton asked for $21 million. I talked to you about the $50 million before. It's a ridiculous sum of money. A lot of this stuff can be done without allocating one more dime. Uh, a lot of the schools this past election saw levies put in place to improve school safety, to improve the physical structure of the schools. And just the idea of, of changing some of the language and changing some of the statute would be a very easy way to lift those restrictions restrictions, then throwing money at this, throwing more money at this that will not fix uh, what some of the biggest issues are. And that's the soft targets in the schools, uh, which is which is absolutely ridiculous. We're going to see a lot about that. And I think it's interesting, too, that the $50 million that the House, House Republicans threw out there for uh, increased uh, school safety issues, it's also the exact same amount of what Mark Dayton requested for free kindergarten, uh, the babysitting money that Governor Dayton wants to uh, wants to put out there, too. Uh, one of the, the two biggest issues that you're going to hear a lot about are bonding and taxes. Uh, the budget's already done, folks. The budget's already done. There are some legislative fixes that need to be corrected, uh, whether almost any computer system over there. We're still going to have problems with... Um, um, Min Lars and Minsure and Minit and, and uh, DNR one and I mean pretty much any computer there are issues that need to be addressed. We do not need a bonding bill. We do not need a bonding bill. Tim Palenti, I blame you for all that bonding money. Yeah, you Tim. Uh, and of course taxes. We have to come up with some tax conformity. Minnesotans are some of the most heavily taxed people in the United States. We'll take a quick break. When we come back, I want to keep talking about some of the issues that you're going to see over at the legislative uh, as they get down to the last five or six weeks of the legislative session. Stay tuned. Sue Jeffers, Twin Cities News Talk AM 1130 and TwinCitiesNewsTalk.com. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm Sue Jeffers. This is the Sue Jeffers Show, Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130 and TwinCitiesNewsTalk.com. We're coming down to the last uh, five, six weeks over at the Capitol. The Democrats and Republicans have thrown out there what they consider to be some of the top issues that need to be addressed before the end of the legislative session. I don't think anybody's bothered to ask us, what do you think are the important issues? that need to be addressed over there. If you want to weigh in, 651-989-5855, 651-989-5855. The Democrats have said guns, sexual harassment. Uh, Republicans have said the state vehicle licensing and renewal system. Uh, we've also seen calls for cracking down on bad drivers. Taxes has to rank right up there as one of the very top ones. American Experiment has done a really, really good job of pointing out that Minnesotans are some of the most heavily taxed people in America. They had a great report that came out. It was called The State of Minnesota's Economy. 
Um, and they said in 2017, as a share of personal income, state and local taxes are higher in Minnesota than in all but seven other states. Minnesota is one of the 43 states to have its own income tax, but the top rate, 9.85% on incomes over $156,911 is higher than anywhere else apart from California, Maine, and Oregon. The other thing that they point out that I think is missed so often, they point out that it's equally significant that Minnesota's lowest income tax rate of 5.35% is higher than the highest tax bracket in 23 states. So, yeah, poor people, they tax the crap out of you, too. Basically, that's what they're saying. If you're working on your taxes now, realize that the top 20% of Americans will pay 87% of the income taxes in 2018. So right now, we're in Minnesota. They have a 320, the legislature uh, has a $320 million budget surplus. They're sitting on almost two billion dollars in cash and budget reserves two billion dollars so i just have to ask them why are they still taxing the snot out of everybody we have to have tax conformity i wish we would have gotten a better tax bill from from washington dc it's a start i think we can do much better on that but we have to get going on this tax conformity and the other thing that that we have on the table is every all around the state they have they have bonding tours where the elected officials go all over the state and they talk to people who have their hands out their greedy grubby hands out that they want minnesota taxpayers to pick up some some Thing that they want for their community and in a lot of times we bond for this we borrow for this we max out the state credit card and it is so ridiculous we had a, over a billion dollars in bonding last year we do not need another billion dollar bonding bill this year you know it's going to happen though right you know you're going to see a bill a billion dollar bonding bill because it's an election year and they want to get elected. Look at all the goodies they're going to they're going to bring you a sheet music museum and they're going to bring you I don't know what they're going to bring you. I, you know, I should put that together. You should see of the over 4000 bills in the house. You should see the long list of crazy stuff that that some of the cities and counties and towns and school districts and colleges and Oh, it's a long list of ridiculous stuff. Let's take a phone call here. Kevin, you're up. Hi, Kevin. Welcome to the Sue Jeffers Show. Thanks, Sue, for taking my call. Yeah, I, I, I think we're number three on the uh, tax list for states in the country. Isn't that I, crazy? It's crazy. We're how Minnesota. Can they, how can they put forth a 9% tax increase on us? Like you said, they're sitting on $2 billion. They should be cutting taxes, not increasing them. I know. I know. Give us our money back. Now, are the, let me ask you this. Are the Republicans that weak that we don't have strong fiscal conservatives? In yes. The state House in the state? Yes. Yes. Is that bad? Yes. Kurt Dowd should go. Off. Paul Gazelka. Really? I expected better out of Paul Gazelka. I mean, you know what they told us last year, Kevin? Do you remember this? They said, oh, you should be happy. We only increased the budget almost 10%. It could have been way worse. Yeah, but that's, that doesn't... If it's, they increased it by 10%, the average worker's... Pay increase is not ten percent. It's more like one or two percent. <laughs> max, 
max. But the hey. state employees all got fat raises. I got another question for you. Mm. Nick Zerwals, did people rattle his cage about the privacy, the medical privacy? You know, I really think they did. He's been awfully quiet about it. And I have an update from Citizens Council for Health Freedom uh, coming up here shortly. And But here's the thing about those bills. And I hope, um, I, I heard on the last commercial, John Justice said that Senator Pratt was going to be on uh, on his show on Monday morning, uh, Senator Pratt and Nick Zerwas were the two authors of the of the horrible, horrible bill where they give away our consent. And I think Nick Zerwas took a lot of heat over it. They, uh, Senator Pratt is going to talk about something else on Monday, but I hope they talk about this too because people were mad, people were furious, and whereas supposedly. These no consent bills are dead, but the fight isn't over because, you know, we're getting into that time now. The closer it gets to the end of the legislative session, the closer we get to the back room deals, the the bad, bad, bad stuff that they stuff into these giant bills that no one has time to read. And we we can't we can't stop on that one yet, Kevin. We can't stop. So one last thing I want to throw at you. Um, mm. I found a website. It's called American intelligence media and they go into the deep state and they talk about the collusion between obama and the agencies they they they, ha- they are so embedded in our government i know and it's impossible to get rid of them i know they, and, and kevin constitutional what they've set up and i hope these people go to prison or i hope there's military tribunals where a lot of these people right right kevin doesn't it shock you within a government i know I know. Doesn't it shock you that when 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 the American people found out that Barack Obama's IRS targeted Americans or when Barack Obama's DOJ or NSA or pick any of the alphabet agencies that are out there, they targeted fellow Americans who didn't agree with them. And and half of the American public said, huh, whatever. Doesn't that just shock you? (sighs) Thanks, Kevin. Appreciate your comments, as always. Um, I told you, we just have the smartest, smartest callers here. Yeah, it's absolutely crazy when you, and one of the other things that's getting tremendous pushback, you know, this is another reason why, why Democrats and Republicans who vote like Democrats irritate me so much. There was a, um, a bill introduced that that proposed work requirements for Medicaid recipients. Somehow with Democrats, this is a controversial thing. Can anybody tell me why the heck a person who is capable of working isn't working? Really? They just want their free stuff? They just want their free health care? Really? And, and for some reason, with Democrats now, that's controversial. And they are pushing back super, super hard uh, to make sure that nobody has to work. They just go ahead and and get their get their free stuff. It's absolutely ridiculous when you think about it. Twyla had, and I encourage everyone to go to Twyla's um, go to Twyla's website because um, she put out a. We've been busy this session, but but let's keep track of what the legislators are doing, uh, how it could impact you. There are lots of uh, this is a dangerous time of the year because there are lots of bills and they stuff 
amendments into them and they have procedural surprises and they do all this crazy stuff. They have these rules, you know, that it ha- that a bill has to go through a first and second committee hearing and they have to meet the deadlines, but they're fake deadlines, people. They, they just say, you know, oh, it didn't quite make it. Well, you know what? We'll just change that and boom, we'll just stuff it in there. So Twyla puts out an e-newsletter. Remember we had Matt on a couple weeks ago, talked about it. Twyla was on a couple months ago. I tell you that her e-newsletter that comes out, I think it's Wednesdays, might be Fridays, uh, comes out, you should all sign up for it. Citizens Council for Health Freedom, go there. She talks about all the things, what's dead, what's not dead, what you have to keep an eye on. Uh, we, j- Kevin and I were just talking about Nick Zerwas's and, and uh, Senator Pratt's bill, and this bill would allow, uh, would crush our patients consent requirements it would it would get rid of our patient consent requirements hey nick zerwas we don't want that hey um what is matt what is senator pratt's name i'm having a blank on his name well anyways hey pratt we don't want that and and i am well twyla said she's happy to report that that the the um take away our consent and privacy um bills are dead but but we know that's not true we know that this could be put in an amendment we know this could be stuffed in during a conference committee or brought up during a floor session the bottom line is it's our medical data our personal private medical data and no nobody gets it without our consent if we give our consent Awesome. If we don't, hell no, and leave our personal, private information alone. Uh, when we come back, I'll give you a couple other things. Twyla's also keeping track of the opioid tax. Remember the penny a pill that Governor Dayton, typical Democrat, and Republicans who vote like Democrats, they add on a penny a pill. Who suffers? Us. Us regular people who aren't, aren't overdosing and aren't, uh, using illegal drugs and synthetic drugs and everything else. We're the ones that suffer. Drives up our costs. Um, but yeah, everybody's fine with that. I'll give you some update on the rest of Twyla's, um, Twyla's, uh, e update that came out last week. Maybe we'll have to have Matt on again to, or Twyla on again to talk about this. Plus, I want you to remember the Democrats still want a gas tax increase, but this past, uh, right before Easter and Passover break, we saw Scott Newman introduce a constitutional on money, uh, in, in, transportation funding and i am adamantly opposed to this i'll tell you why when we come back stay tuned sue jeffers twin cities news talk am 1130 and twin cities good saturday afternoon everyone thank you so much for tuning in i'm sue jeffers this is the sue jeffers show twin cities news talk am 1130 and twin We've been running over some of the legislation that Twyla Bray's Citizens Council for Health Freedom has told us to keep an eye on. She does such a great job keeping us informed of this. We talked about the Zerwas Pratt bill, the no consent bill. Uh, this was a bill that would allow the holders of medical record data to circumvent Minnesota's wonderful, longstanding patient consent 
consent requirements for sharing private data. Uh, that bill still isn't dead yet. They try to tell us it is. It isn't. It could be stuffed anywhere uh, into another bill. So keep your eyes open on that. Uh, we talked about the opiate tax and prescription tracking bill. Uh, this is Rosen and Baker are the authors of that. This is another really bad idea. It creates a new tax set by an unelected board of pharmacy. I don't know why Julie Rosen thinks it's a good idea. It's a horrible idea. It's to fund a new program for opioid awareness. It also permits integration of the state prescription tracking database. Another horrible idea. Thanks for nothing, Jim Abler. Oh, yeah, that was Tim Pawlenty that signed that one into law. Uh, And it allows the state's prescription tracking database into private electronical medical record and also limits the amount of medication doctors can prescribe and requires doctors and prescribers to check with the PMP before prescribing opiates because of course government should be sticking its nose in between you and your and and your doctor do you know who gets hurt by that people who need pain medication people who don't abuse it people who need it to maintain some level of of comfort in in their everyday lives these just make me so 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 angry and these bills continue to change over and over and over again uh, another one um Health Policy Commission. This is Senator Benson, what are you thinking on this one? And Schumacher, uh, these bills create an industry-controlled commission to advise the legislature and provide industry-friendly drafts of legislation legislation in health care. No, that's not how it works. That is not how it works. That's another one pushed by the Chamber of Commerce, by the way. It basically establishes a new government council and creates a new industry-led commission. Talk about Fox in the hen house. Talk about Fox in the hen house. Uh, that will be used to drive the industry's uh, policy agenda uh, at taxpayers' expense. It creates a, a bureaucrat, this bureaucracy, this new board that doesn't expire in for 15 years. 15 years. Oh, man. Another bad one here. Uh, the all-payer claims database, Zerwas and Jensen. Uh, Jensen, what do you, you people out in Carver, we're stuck with him for another two years. But get on him, for heaven's sakes. Uh, these bills would remove or extend the expiration date for the Minnesota Department of Health access to and use of patient data to analyze variations in healthcare costs, quality, utilization, and illness based on geographical areas and populations. Uh, that's a Minnesota Department of Health bill. Uh, so no, it's a large, unregulated, unregulated government research project. We are not your guinea pigs. We are not your guinea pigs. And in spite of what the Minnesota Department of Health was, do you really trust them to protect your data? Do you really trust them to protect your privacy? Because, yeah, you're dumb if you do. Because I can already tell you, they don't. Um, And then we had... Uh, Schumacher and Benson, they have a bill for legislative approval of state requests for federal funds. CCHF, Citizens Council for Health Freedom, actually testified in support of a bill that would increase the legislative oversight of federal tax dollars. Uh, a lot of times federal funding comes with strings. It requires state matching dollars. There are time limits. There are rules. There are stipulations for how the money could use. And sometimes just because the state of Minnesota wants 
the money so bad that they just agree to anything. And that should be a big no, folks. That should be evaluated. We should be evaluating these requests for federal funding to make sure that the people with the right authority uh, have the right authority. They're going to use the money in the way we want them to use it. And at the very least, the legislature should be informed of how much money is being asked for and to be able to review uh, what are the strings that come with all this federal with all this uh, federal funding. Uh, There's also another bill out there, Matt Dean and Senator Jensen. Oh, he's got a good one. Um, Prohibiting health plans from imposing gag clauses that prevent prevent pharmacies from telling patients about the cash prices of, of medication. Why can't they tell us how much stuff costs? Tell us how come how how much stuff costs. We we definitely appreciate it. All right. Just this past week, the Minnesota Department of Transportation officials announced that they expected to spend one point one billion dollars on state road and bridge projects this year. One point one billion dollars. They released their list. Uh, according to the Department of Transportation, there are some 253 projects. Listen to me. Listen to me. Not one, not one will help reduce congestion. Not one will help move goods, services, people, public safety, snow plows, anything around the metro area inside the 494-694 loop. Not one. A lot of bike paths, a lot of roundabouts, a lot of other things. $1.1 billion, and not one will reduce congestion. Not one will help move goods, services, public safety, people, snowplows, ambulances, fire trucks, any of that around, especially inside the 494 loop. Thanks, Governor Dayton. Thanks for nothing. $1.1 billion. Oh, my gosh. And, okay, here's the craziest thing, too. Um, Minnesota, so the American Transportation Research Institute uh, ranked 100 of the worst truck bottlenecks in the United States for 2018. 100 of them. Five of them were in Minnesota. Five of them. Can you believe that? Five of them. You know where they were? Uh, One was on 94 and 52, you know, over by Plato, over by... Um, Savoy Pizza, you know where that is over there. Um, two of them were 35W and 495. Shocker! They spent 200 million redoing that intersection. I think that, that interchange, I think they made it worse. I think they made it worse. 494 and 35W. Um, another one is 35E and 94. What a disaster that one is. Total disaster. Who's been on 94 and 35E lately? Yeah, that's a disaster. And, of course, one right in my neck of the woods, 35W and 694. So ridiculous. And you've heard me complain about 694. We have the worst representation up on 694 ever. They're finally, finally, finally getting a... a wall along the highway, a sound barrier that they wanted for a super long time. Um, they're finally getting that. But you watch all summer long, 35W from Roseville up to where? Lino Lakes, maybe? Uh, maybe past Lino Lakes, maybe even Forest Lake. Uh, I, I, that whole stretch there. You know what they want? 
because we don't pay enough taxes already because we don't spend enough money on on stuff that we want. They're putting in a pay lane, a Lexus lane. That's what they call them, a a lane for the rich people. And so we're going to get another lane up there, but it's only if you pay extra. And all the communities along there, Roseville, Arden Hills, New Brighton, Lino Lakes, Forest Lake, what else is up there? Blaine, um, Columbus, uh, well, all of those along 35W. Um, you're going to have all these other cars who don't want, because of the congestion, who don't want to pay the extra money, and they're going to be driving on our roads in our cities. Uh, yep, yep, yep. You can just picture it, can't you? You can just picture it. And, you know, they talk about... Uh, racial equity and environmental equity and how about some road equity why should the rich people get their own lane that's what i want to know a lexus lane uh we don't want it but you know what doesn't matter they just rammed it down our throat no matter how many times we testified against it okay this past uh i i guess I guess it wasn't just this past week. Scott Newman introduced a constitutional amendment on money in transportation. And the question is going to be, should Minnesota amend the Constitution again to get dedicated funds for roads? Remember the last time we had this cluster? Oh, yeah, Tim Pawlenty was was uh, Tim Pawlenty was governor. And I begged him. I begged him to come back from Washington, D.C. I called him and said, come back, come back, or at least call back to Minnesota and and do something uh, to to stop this constitutional amendment. Because remember, a governor can't. He did nothing. He did nothing. But the question is asked, shall the Minnesota Constitution be amended to dedicate current sales tax revenue from the sale of motor vehicle repair and replacement parts so that beginning on July 1st, 2020, all the revenue is used exclusively for roads, including repair of state and local highways, streets, bridges, and to match federal highway dollars. This amendment does not increase the rate of the current tax. Okay, yay, it doesn't increase the rate of the current tax. Ask yourself, why should Minnesota actually need a constitutional amendment? We elected legislators to determine how to spend this money. Last year, one of the uh, one of the things the Democrats were very, very proud of was some six, no, sorry, Republicans were very, very proud of is they allocated some $6 billion towards transportation towards roads and bridges not the trains not the bike paths not not the roundabouts not the resurfacing that we keep doing over and over and over again but to actual roads and bridges and they were they were really proud of that i was mad because of that six billion dollars that they allocated part of it came from the general fund part of it came from money that was just sitting around part of it came from taxes and other road revenues but a a billion dollars of it it came from bonding. A billion dollars of it came from borrowing. And and I understand sometimes you need to borrow, but Republicans and Democrats 
under Governor Dayton and under Tim Pawlenty have have maxed out our state credit cards. They have put so much debt onto the onto future onto us, onto our children, onto our grandchildren, onto future generations that we are now have what a what is it a billion dollars a year in debt service? A billion dollars. That means you got to pay a billion dollars in debt service before you can even think about roads and bridges and public safety and health care and education and and other things that that government uh has has their fingers into it not not all of them good um so i i am i'm frustrated because i understand that this bill or this constitutional amendment is well intended i understand that they're trying to find a way to correct some of the mismanagement of transportation funding, whether it's money that's directed towards trains or bike paths or pedestrian bridges or whatever they're dedicating it to. I understand that. I get that. But this isn't how you do it. It's well-intended. It's a wrong way to do it. And we have to start putting people in office who understand the responsibility of the legislature and and of of the governor to allocate money you know, you, you think about it, our roads, the con- especially the congestion on our roads. American Experiment did a great study, uh, congestion. It's no accident here. Businesses all over the state of Minnesota need to move freight, need to, new- need to move people. All of us want snow plows to move efficiently and ambulances and fire trucks and police cars to move efficiently. And, and yet the, and I, I'll, again, I'll tell you, Read this report by American Experiment. It's called Congestion. There's no accident here. They talk about how eliminating congestion is not a priority. Kim Crockett talks about testifying before some of the here at some of the hearings over at the Capitol in St. Paul and the DOT, the commissioner and the assistant commissioner and the other DOT people. Eliminating congestion is not even on their not even on their radar it is absolutely not a priority um roads and other infrastructure that's a core state function that's a core that should be a top priority and and elevating transportation funding should be a top priority yet not through a constitutional amendment back in 2006 was when they um uh the voters approved a constitutional amendment to dedicate Oh, you were so foolish if you voted yes for this. I was so mad. Um, it was a constitutional amendment to dedicate all motor vehicle taxes to transportation. 40% went to transit, but no more than 60% for roads and bridges. Oh, they loved that. They absolutely loved that because now they had an uh, open sieve of money, hundreds of millions of dollars that could go into transit year after year after year after year they said it was supposed to bring in some i don't know what 300 million dollars a year uh yeah it did and then some and then some and now look what do we have 20 different light rail transit lines that the only time they're full the only time they're busy is if we have a super bowl or a bunch of football or a bunch of sporting events on one day the rest of the time you I'm convinced they wrap the light rail transit cars in the shrink wrap the advertising shrimp shrink wrap so that nobody realizes the trains are empty I am absolutely positive about it um 
We have to do something about congestion. We have to do something about our roads. And I'm just really sad to say I don't think this constitutional amendment is the way to go, uh, the way to go about it. All right. Do I have to take a break now? I thought I did. So I was trying to wrap that one up. Uh, but when you start seeing the cones, the traffic cones coming down next, coming out next week, you just remember of the billion dollars that they're spending on state roads and bridges. None of them are going to reduce congestion. None. Not a one. Oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, man. I'll be so glad when Governor Dayton's gone. All right. Let's wrap up the show today talking a little bit about uh, illegal Im- immigration. Let's talk a little bit about President Trump, what he, what's going on with him, what he's doing uh, with legal and illegal immigration. But specifically, just yesterday or the day before, maybe last week sometime, it happened so fast it's hard to keep up with. Um, he decided to tell some of the states on the southern border, hey, send some of your National Guard troops to the border. Texas and Arizona said, yeah, what a great idea. We'll be back to talk about it. Twin Cities News Talk AM 1130 and TwinCitiesNewsTalk.com. Good Saturday afternoon, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in. Really appreciate you listening. So I was reading this article. I was reading this article. It was uh, townhall.com. It was written by Wayne Allen Root. He said he believes... Uh, illegal immigration and the wall won Trump the 2016 election. He also believes that it's the reason Trump is doing so well in the polls. He said liberals are so out of touch with how Americans feel about illegal immigration. If Trump keeps up what he's doing about illegal and legal immigration, not only will be will Trump be reelected, they'll make room for him on Mount Rushmore. And I have to say, um, I'll lay out the argument here for you, but I have to say it's hard to argue with. I can't say that I disagree much. So he starts out with the polls. The mainstream media lied to us again. Rasmussen is the only credible poll. They got the 2016 election right on the money. And the latest Rasmussen poll came out with Trump at a 51% approval rating. Not only is that fantastic, but it's five points higher than Obama was at the same time of his presidency. It's also telling that Trump's approval is at 51% uh, and 48% disapprove. More Americans approve of Trump then disapprove. So when the media tells you that Trump is the most unpopular president in modern history, they're lying to you. Another poll came out that explained, uh, that explained some 77% of the Americans believe traditional media is guilty of fake news. That was dramatically up from 63% a year ago. 87 percent also believe fake news permeates social media sites such as Facebook and YouTube. So it seemed like seems like it's Trump against the entire mainstream media and all social media. Yet Trump still comes out on top and he swears that the reason behind it is illegal immigration. He says exhibit one is liberals are shocked and dismayed that Trump is putting the citizenship question back on the census. We talked about this last week. Why should states like California get a whole bunch more money and a whole bunch more representation for people who live in their state that aren't citizens? Why? Why? 
and and I think that's an important. I think that's something that a lot of Americans are paying attention to, because the average middle class American loves it. Rasmussen reports Americans support the citizenship question, sixty six to twenty five percent. And you have to wonder why aren't the Republicans uh, touting this information as well. Then uh, liberals are shocked and dismayed by extreme vetting. And they liberals seem to think that we should let everyone in, including Muslim refugees, without the ability to without the ability to let them in. And I think, again, you see Americans are saying, nope, Trump is right again. We are paying attention to what's going on in London and Germany and Sweden and France and all over the place. And we can't just let anyone come into our country. Uh, this past week, we heard talk about the caravan uh, that was heading towards the U.S. border. Well, it appears that that has uh, dissipated or stopped or whatever. On the other hand, you got California, who has granted uh, a million illegal aliens have driver's licenses in California. I was pleased this past week to see a border agent said, hey, America, we lock our doors because we love the people inside. We don't hate those on the outside. Uh, We also seen a lot of stories by our local media here about some uh, professor some professor at Augsburg who's been here for 30 years, never bothered to, 26 years, never bothered to get his citizenship. And now he's getting deported. And, uh, oh, yeah, they're they're real sad about it. So uh, I wish we had, sorry, I couldn't get to the phone calls. And uh, because I talk too much, I know, I have lots to say. I always do. I'm cheering for the Bulldogs. I'm watching the Masters. I know it's going to snow tomorrow, but by next week we'll have rain and green grass and everything will be good. Stan, what's on your show? Uh, We're going to be talking doggies, uh, new uh, fishing rod, custom rods, and, uh, you know, the government... Sucks. the outdoors, yeah, it sucks, yeah. so we'll They're talk trying to screw about that the business owners <laughs> again. Yeah, stay tuned, listen to listen to Stan's uh, show. It's going to be great. We'll see you next Saturday, everyone. Sue Jeffers, Twin Cities News Talk AM 1130 and TwinCitiesNewsTalk.com.